everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasma, and with me I have the holiest of holies. I have the Reverend Tracy. How are you doing for the second time? Um, still doing about as well as the first time. You know, pretty open on uh, our regular show about dealing with some anxiety this week. Because I believe we should talk about these things. Because you know what? More people deal with this shit than you probably realize. So I'll mention it here too. Yeah, I mean, just to be honest, dealt with that, dealing with it, but doing okay. How about you? In the same boat, in the same boat. Thank goodness there is weed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. The THC and CBD products have definitely rocked the world of, of those dealing with anxiety and maladies of such, anxiety, depression, stuff like that. So, great stuff. Yeah, I bought some Cezurup, uh the other day. It's like a thousand milligrams of t- THC, I think, in there, like a one to one ratio, and that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I've actually been impressed with is now, like, there uh, there's a little bit more people out there with an interest in going, you know, THC free for people who like can't do that, and mm-hmm. uh, now you can just get gel caps of CBD and just like make it part of your day, so you can just keep that even which is super freaking cool but you know (laughs) and there are a lot of drinks out there now like uh the gas station at the end of the block here has just like a cbd cola just they sell with the other colas out there so um you know for anxiety for minor physical ailments or something like that cbd is great to have um if much more healthier too than something like a you know ibuprofen or or whatever i mean people not that ibuprofen in and of itself is bad but people you know do tend to take a lot more of that than they should so but we are here today to talk all things episode four season four of big mouth this week we're going to talk about cafeteria girls now what is your overall non-spoiler spoilery impression of this episode i i actually had a lot under the like and not a lot under the dislike so I think it was a pretty good episode. Um, I kind of liked the reintroduction back into going to school. You know, I had mentioned last time that, you know, we were saying goodbye to certain characters because they were going to be done with camp. And mm-hmm. we left off with the Anxitos following them in the school bus, very representative as they went back from summer break. So this is that episode of Tiptoeing Right Back Into School. What about you? Anything overall you want to say that doesn't spoil our positives and negatives? Yeah, overall, I wasn't impressed with this episode. There were some good parts, of course, but just this was one that I was glad it was over. Um, You know, the the cafeteria girls, as the title implies, just, wow, I hated that. (laughs) Cafeteria girls, kisses off the menu. Come on, they had a catchy song. No, actually, the song was really short and annoying. It was very, like, out of time, too. Like, why would a show have that type of theme song nowadays? But, uh, like, that was very much, very old school they went with the Cafeteria Girls song. But I don't know, because I don't watch, like, a lot of... um, of uh, the kids shows like they're a little too a little too lame for me like uh yeah they get a little stereotypey and then i'm like nah jocks oh. aren't all dumb I, I, so yeah i mean i was watching this uh, documentary on youtube um it turns out that you ever watched that show in the 80s head of the class oh no i don't think so Okay. Well, there was a character on the show, a student, kind of big huskier guy. Um, that guy from that show ended up producing a lot in the 90s, um, a lot of Nickelodeon's teen shows like uh, Carly, iCarly or some, you know, stupid stuff like that. But um, there's the, like a lot of gross stuff that happens in that industry. And oh, just, really? yeah, yeah, just, just like they were saying like this guy who uh, was on the head of the show class has like a thing for feet and then they like showed clips from like all of his shows where they had like the young like 13 year old girls like with with their feet out you know all just showing it to the camera all the time and it was just gross and just guys suck guys are the fucking worst you know yeah but i mean that's what's kind of funny like speaking of like guys being kind of the worst it's like there is a little bit of that to this episode because there were some themes in there that I didn't like. It's not that they were bad because in a way I think some of the stuff they talked about was good at the end of the day, especially with the cafeteria girls. Like, cause we did kind of have two main 
um, storylines. Well, kind of three, if you want to count it. Lola and Jay. <laughs> um, you had Nick and Andrew and everybody coupling up. Jesse in the city. And then Lola and Jay. And then <laughs> you sound you so happy talking about that. Yeah. You can tell I don't have a lot. They don't have a lot of the positives. But I did end up, I found something positive to say about those two. So I was, I was proud of myself in this that practice I try to have of trying to have something nice to say. So, uh, but yeah, I it, like, is it my favorite episode when I tell people to start with it? No. Do I love some of the stuff they covered? And I'll get into that. Totally think there were some uh, commentaries on our social, on our socialness society. They were totally worth getting into on this one. But then the rest of the storyline was just kind of. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's start off with the positives. What would you say are the most po- most positive parts of this episode? All right. So breaking it up like I like to do because I like to organize things. We've got Nick and Andrew and everybody coupling up. Um, I want to start off with I like that they wound up making it coming back as friends. Uh, it's really hard like uh, to go through going back to school and stuff and like still having that fight linger. So I thought it was really great how things panned out that they got to go in and being them. Um, I did love some of the that's just a kid thing jokes that they tend to land and Devon or Devon Devon actually had like a really funny line that like I like it when they just sneak it in there because it's a joke it's like a dad joke almost like you don't expect to find it funny but it's just chuckle worthy right. but I loved when they were interviewing about like the the honeymoon or the vacation they took as a married couple which um, side note that's still a weird story <laughs> that they got married um, <laughs> with his child bride, but the line where he goes, I ate a ton of cotton candy before noon and then had a major meltdown. Like there's just something about like when they pepper in, like that's such a kid thing, but a kid would never say it that way. It just right. makes it ridiculous and funny to me because a child would never be able to just like say it that well. And I think that's why the humor works. And it's nice to have good humor come from somebody other than Connie and Maury, because I feel like they kind of eat up a lot of the lines. So uh, Connie, she's great with delivery always, but I like seeing it go to some of these, like, not main characters, these offshoot characters. Right. Um, I really want to see how this twin girls, the Dutch girls that are cannibals, like, how that's going to play out, because they keep, they brought it up, like, a few times, and now it seems like they have a victim in mind with Lump. Um, so I think like kids are just going to start disappearing. I don't know. Let's keep an eye out in the background and see, because I just thought that was a funny, awkward little side. It was so out of place, but it just made me laugh. And it's make me, it's made me curious and like makes me want to pay more attention to the background. Is that where anything happens? Is that where he said a lumpy likey too? Yeah, I think so. Because (laughs) it was like, a. He was talking about his little soul patch, his flavor saver, whatever stupid man joke he made about it. And like, I've actually got two girlfriends. And then they just like start openly talking about being cannibals like into the camera, which is just really funny. Um, I really loved Connie making Nick awkward about dating younger girls. (laughs) (laughs) And like all of her lines, like making it just like creeper level. She goes like, they all stay the same age. Oh, they all stay the same age. Like, and everything (laughs) is getting progressively creepier. And then uh, (laughs) I think it pairs really well because that happens. You cut away and some other storyline happens. And they come back and like Andrew is just making it weird on a whole other creeper level like accidentally what did he call them he called them like a sec um oh gosh oh god what did they say Uh, he just like he kept using like all the terms for like sexual predator but not saying Uh, sexual predator no he said sexual predator oh he did say okay yeah or sexual predators or like stuff like that and like nick going andrew stop like (laughs) just (laughs) Andrew's awkwardness just cracks me up. Um, And then you get into the actual cafeteria girl, like, swiping the options, just kind of looking around the room to see who they had available. Um, And so they start talking to them, and they're by the lockers. And Andrew, in all... I I love awkward, okay? And that's honestly part of what makes John Mulaney so perfect for doing the voice of Andrew, because a lot of John Mulaney's stand-up is about how awkward he is 
And mm-hmm. so anytime Andrew has just a fantastically awkward moment, I just, I feel John Mulaney's life coming through on the show. And so like that whole spot, whatever he like tries to be really cool and like tries to hit the locker with his elbow. And oh, <laughs> he just yeah. like doubles over and pays like, if I talk to you, I'm going to yell and I'm going to throw up. And then uh, there was something about Maury's like, Andrew, you're doing so well. <laughs> like with that, that just, that whole little spot right there, I think, was just, like, the funniest uh, encapsulation of just awkwardness of trying to impress a girl just going horribly wrong. Um, so I just I thought that was great, um, especially because in this episode, like, the boys, like, it just kind of becomes apparent that they're not very good dudes. And I'll talk about that more in the negatives. Like, they're, they're just kind of, you know, they're gross um, right. a little bit in this episode. But, uh, and actually them talking about switching is kind of that whole peak moment of it being really gross, but it wound up in the positives because I liked how it played out in the end with the discussion of not treating all other humans like they're in your life, but recognizing that they are living, breathing humans with their own lives. You know, Andrew at the end saying, I'm beginning to think we're not the center of the universe, and then Nick saying, I guess we have to start treating girls like they're the stars of their own show. Which is funny because, in a way, I feel like Nick is kind of douchier than Andrew. And I think those two lines also kind of show that. Because if you take it apart and be like, Andrew, I'm beginning to think we're not the center of the universe. That's actually, like, reflective and, like, kind of growing at the end, right? Mm-hmm. But Nick saying... I guess we have to start treating girls like they're the stars of their own show. Like uh, it kind of plays into that future version of him. That's kind of a douchebag, right? Yeah. Like that's been introduced a few times, Nick star. And I know he comes up more later in the season, you know, yeah. so this kind of starts feeding into that a bit, but um, yeah, uh, like you can kind of see it early. And I don't, I didn't, I don't think I noticed that the first time I watched this show, but as I was taking notes, I'm like, man, that really gives you some polarity between those two and like how they uh, deal with information. So just kind of going on a weird psychological deeper spot there. <laughs> right. But so watching those two grow in that moment was interesting. And I think it, their grossness paid out. It did. It did. But, uh, and then, uh, so the second major theme that I've got for positives is, or did you actually want to say anything uh, about those before, or just do it like we've done, where I just kind of go into the next major theme? <laughs> uh, yeah, go into the, go, go ahead. Okay, cool. all of your positives. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, there's there's not too much after this, so it's really Jesse <laughs> in the city. <laughs> so I just have to say, poor Jesse. Um, like, especially with her mom piling it on there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so she's going to this school. It's all new. All of her friends are behind and I can relate like to a sense. I was moved at a time that I felt was like really kind of detrimental, like from, I was moved, uh, between the summers between fourth and fifth grade, which is awkward. Cause it's not like you're starting a whole like middle school together or something. It was like right there. And I very much felt like I didn't have any friends. So anybody that can relate to that, I think can relate on a level to Jesse's story that goes on with her. Um, but yeah, like the rich school with like all the super smart girls and they're all well connected. Like they've got ridiculous last names that are hyphenated with like Kleenex and like, you know, name brands that you would know. (laughs) Um, so that builds up and makes it worse. And, uh, I really loved like her hormone monster giving like Connie giving just totally unhelpful fucking advice. Like what happens with your head sometimes when you're starting to spiral into anxiety, like, you accomplished a lot. You put in a tampon. <laughs> like, I when they're all talking, <laughs> yeah, they're all talking about their summers and, like, all of this stuff they've done, like, through these charities and all this. And, like, Connie's in her ear, just like, you put in a tampon. Um, I did like the introduction of Jesse Zangzito because I'm not sure. I'm trying to think back if she actually had them at camp. I don't think she did. I think this no, when I, she... I think Nick only had them. Okay, me too. I think I remember. Oh, wait, no. And Andrew did as well, I think, with the poop. Oh, maybe the poop maybe yeah. started with an Anxito. But I, I was pretty sure I was remembering correctly that this was the introduction of Anxitos to Jesse's life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that whole digging a hole in her head during math class. 
like all of the thoughts that can pile so quickly once you start experiencing that anxiety and just how overwhelming it can be, like just word vomiting, um, <laughs> like it just leading to her like in tears, word vomiting that she put in a tampon over the summer. And if that is not like a display of a child, like that's anxiety playing out in front of you. So if you've ever seen a kid <laughs> Or anybody really just say something like that in that state, like, oh, yeah, that is totally uh, the result of anxiety spiraling out of control and your body doing its best in survival mode and just not quite cracking it. Fight, <laughs> fight, yeah. Yep, and now I know what that moment looks like from the outside. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, so, yeah, and then it goes into um, her comparison, scrolling social media and kind of Facebook stalking, which just talking about, I, I understand is a temptation to Facebook stalk people, especially when you feel, you know, the comparison bug or the necessity to compare. But man, like, does it ever pay out? Like, I, I don't so much fall into that these days. But uh, it does kind of show just that live, just it not not working out. You know, she's probably not friends with most of these girls she's just met. She's like found them on Instagram and seeing that they're flying private jets. Um, doesn't know anything else about them. Just, mm -hmm. you know, knows what's being presented socially. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that turning in right back into the Angzito and how those thoughts then pile on, right? So you've just scrolled. And now you're thinking about all of the stuff. And uh, and then I just, uh, every time that that Anxita opens its mouth, it's funny because it makes everything worse. And that's just so, <laughs> I don't know. I really love Depression Kitty. Like, but Anxito is starting to really warm up to me as like being a really awesome portrayal um, to give people kind of who maybe don't experience anxiety something to relate to. Um, to kind of find a way to understand maybe what it's like. But like that Angsy is like, I'm sorry to point this out, or I hate to pile things on. And that is just <laughs> so your brain, like when you're going yes. through that, like uh, you, you can relate to that, right? Like your brain almost does have those moments like not to pile it on or, you know, oh, I hate to be like just pointing this out right here, but this right here, this, you're going to think about this for the next 12 to 48 hours right here. <laughs> that was me on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's me. That's, I mean, anybody that deals with anxiety coming back in your life, like you could definitely relate to how that can like pile on. But I have to give the Anxito like a really awesome, like funny moment because there is that unexpected joke of, you know, um, Jesse got the stress pimple <laughs> and she's like, everybody's going to think I have herpes. <laughs> and the Anxito going, you gave me herpes. Now I have to call all my old partners. <laughs> <laughs> which was just like a, a funny funny humorous side note and then so the last thing is depression and anxiety going so hand in hand being portrayed by the introduction of depression kitty coming in and greeting Anxito like they were just old friends and uh you know them talking about you know it doesn't even feel like work we're just emotionally crippling a young woman <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and then them team working together later outside of the school and, and yeah. Depression Kitty and finally talking her into skipping school. And if you've ever wondered how some of those decisions get made, it is the, the depression and the anxiety just working together beautifully. Oh, man, just – and that's where it's like this episode gets a lot of good props because those two, I think they did such a great job, like, making these characters to represent things that not – everybody understands but enough people do um yeah that i feel like somebody who has struggled with depression and anxiety and things like that with my life like i would feel confident saying just watch big mouth and follow the depression anxiety uh, depression kitty and anxito and and you yeah, might yeah. actually understand it a little bit better yeah that i would i was gonna say that too like the previous episodes like uh especially when they surrounded nick uh, the anxiety mosquitoes. I mean, that was mm -hmm. chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like definitely anxiety driven versus when you start experiencing anxiety as somebody who does have depression, which it's been clear that Jesse does. Like this mm -hmm. has already been a topic that we've covered like in, in previous seasons. So now that she's experiencing anxiety on top of that, you're getting to see how quickly those things pile and, and what that could feel like for somebody. Yep. Anything else on a positive side? 
okay, Lo J being a couple's name for J and Lo is kind of funny. Lo J. <laughs> and him saying America runs on Scrumpy did make me laugh. <laughs> I said my positive things about those, but that was, so the rest of it was great. There was my obligatory positive thing about Jay and Lola, but it did. It really did that. That caught me off guard. That it made me kind of giggle a little at his dumb little America runs on Scrumpy joke. So Scrumpy, yeah. And I like that they didn't take the obvious J Lo. Like so, that was also kind of, kind of, kind of giggle worthy. Well, I mean, who knows what Jennifer Lopez? She probably uh, copyrighted that or trademarked it or something like that, and they probably couldn't. Oh gosh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but I like that it worked out to low J because it does kind of make it funnier. Yeah. All right, let me go through my list of positives then. Um, <laughs> I love the line, well, okay, how about he touches the inside of your mouth with his penis? Uh, you know, Maury with his one liners, I think what I love about Maury's one liners is, is the sincerity. He, he gives them um, because when I say that particular line, it just sounds gross. But just how Maury delivers that line is just the sincerity. Like you almost forget kind of what he's saying because it's so positive and cheerful and how he's saying it. It's like when you t- when you see your cat and I mean, I do this with my cat all the time. Hey, you little fucker. Who's a little bitch when you're petting him? The cat doesn't understand shit. They're just glad you're petting him. But, <laughs> you know. um, yeah, yeah. I did mention about Connie talking about 12 year olds um, as something that was funny. Um, and, and, and Nick's response, like that makes it significantly worse. <laughs> you know? um, Love the bit with Jesse and her mom that started the, that started the episode. Parents do have the annoying habit. And I've done that myself of trying to pump up your kids for, for the future at a point where they're probably at their most anxious. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I know my mother did that to me as well and she had the best intentions but sometimes you just want to deal with what you're dealing with alone and you don't want your parent trying to you know it's gonna be okay i did it you know and there's enough science out there that if you would like to be a red parent there's a lot of literature indicating that this you know there's some things that maybe not yeah positive parenting movement it's a good one the cdc actually even talks about it just random fun fact the cdc covers parenting facts so but yeah like just piling it on and just that false that false positivity that also doesn't help like with depression right Mm -hmm. like it's the same thing like if you've got depression and somebody's just trying to force you like you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel doesn't usually work for people dealing with depression just throwing it out there if you didn't know that that doesn't work um (laughs) shoving positivity doesn't happen because it's like with depression, at the end of the day, the person may, um, you know, logically be able to to say that, you know, the reason they're depressed is probably not the most important thing in the world. But that doesn't matter. Depression is depression. You know, it could be for something frivolous or it could be depression or anxiety with, you know, something life threatening and whatever. It's yep. still you can't you you still have to accept it for what it is and, and just can't judge it, you know, based on whatever. So yep. once you're triggered, you can woosaw all you want. But until your brain actually lets it go, you just got to ride the tides and just do your best to get back to your calm. And uh, yeah, people <laughs> saying you'll be fine doesn't help. <laughs> no. No, no, no. All right. Uh, the line from Andrew. Perfect. I'll take whatever. Uh, Andrew's line, when Nick states which of the cafeteria girls he's interested in, uh, it's like, I, you know, it's a shitty thing for him to say, but I'm a guy. I've had that attitude before. It's just sometimes just like, hey, I'll take the, you come here. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know if that's more a testament to his self-esteem that he's like, I'll take whatever is willing to have me. Or if it's that, you know, the the more of the thought that you'd have of like the guy going into the bar for the night and it's just okay with whatever happens. Like, and I wasn't super clear which way he meant that, which personally made that line funnier to me. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, cause Andrew is so, uh, <laughs> Andrew's he's so back weird. And forth. Uh, he yeah. definitely, he's got his, like, he thinks really high of himself and then he's got his, he thinks really low of himself. So kind of, 
Well, speaking of that, I mean, I, I loved his line. I was just reading that raisins are dried grapes. <laughs> you know, the, the whole bit where he just tried to make himself sound smarter. You know, oh, I mean, man. I, I mean, everybody's been guilty of that. But, you know, as a guy who's tried to impress a woman before, have I ever said something like that? Sure. You know, yeah, just something that you think is like going to be the most intelligent sounding thing, and then it just really comes off really condescending because it's yeah. not really that smart, and you're saying it in a way that makes it sound smart. So yeah. you're accidentally talking down to somebody, even though he may not have meant to. I felt like he was being really condescending to them, like every time he opened his mouth. Yeah, he deserved what he got at the end. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did make a note about the uh, the Connie line. You know, uh, these girls are so impressive. So are you. You put in your own tampon. My, you know, and and another line that I absolutely loved. I had to play it twice. Uh, is when Connie said, "You can't do the splits. Your tampon will shoot out like a Nerf dart." <laughs> Yes, because I think we could easily fill, like, with just Connie lines. Because she does. She has a lot of really good lines, and her delivery is... I I personally like her delivery. So, oh, man, yeah, the Nerf dart one got me, too. (laughs) Just uh, just imagine, like, doing the splits and then thunk, you know, hit someone in the eye or, like, a big, like, tampon stuck in the middle of a wall. (laughs) You know what? There are some some ladies out there that make a very good living projectiling things out of there, and I'm sure we could, like, have them explain the logistics on how that might work. (laughs) Okay. Like the South Park uh, gag from the movie with Winona Ryder and the ping pong balls. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she didn't actually do that, but, you know, just the implication. But anyway. (laughs) Yes, but the whole the ping pong show thing being a thing. Like, there are, yes, that's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Just not by her. Allegedly. Uh, Who knows? I mean, she shoplifted once and dated Johnny Depp, so... (laughs) Um, all right, Andrew trying to help open the locker, but instead hurting his elbow is so relatable. <laughs> Definitely been down that road before. Um, the anxiety mosquito showing up at Jesse's school was a nice touch. Pressure increases on students the further along in school they are, so it's only natural that anxiety is going to hit more. Um, Jay's line, America runs on scumpy. Just, I, I felt like I needed to take a shower after that, but I was laughing. So that exactly. Was... Yeah. There was the mixed emotion I couldn't put in writing earlier. Cause it was like, it's funny, yeah. but it was gross. Like Just dirty. Like you want to get tested after you laugh. You know? <laughs> um, depression kitty and the anxiety mosquito was a great touch. Um, they would very much be friends in real life. Um, and I, I love their interactions, uh, even though we saw, only saw it briefly on the show. Um, I like the detail of Jay telling Lola she shouldn't be sad uh, because he doesn't feel she should be. It's a nice little touch that makes their ultimate fate as a couple make a lot of sense. And it's a typical guy thing to do as well. Guys want to be comforting, but they can also be condescending with that as well. It's like, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. You shouldn't feel sad. It's just you don't tell people, or most importantly, a guy shouldn't tell a woman how to feel. Just yeah. let them feel, you know. Exactly. Uh, it's it's a, it's a mistake that I think everybody makes with the best of intentions. Like, nobody likes being told how to feel. So mm-hmm. anybody try, like, yeah. And it goes right back to the, it will get better. And it's like the depression in your head goes, you don't fucking know what you're talking about. Like, there's immediate defense when you get told how something will be for you. Right. So sometimes people react to that. So it's just it's an interesting way to think about it. If you've ever had somebody not react well to you trying to cheer them up, maybe just investigate how you do it. And I, I like that these shows are maybe helping spark some of that conversation for people, I hope. Yeah, and and to your point, yeah, I mean, they they weren't making Jay out to be a bad guy for doing what he did, but they showed the flaw in not being empathetic and not listening to somebody else and let them tell you how they feel, you know, so definitely, definitely like that. Um, I loved Andrew's line, uh, excuse me, my fuck blazer is ruined. (laughs) I even think he said ruined, you know, just how how we (laughs) pronounce it. 
just yeah how we pronounced it just it I, that was funny and it was a nice touch showing how fast depression can go away when you got the hots for somebody you know when uh jesse first meets up with michelangelo and then connie rides in as she said on her own discharge on a surfboard <laughs> and, uh, yep temporarily it is a very good distraction from from depression and anxiety to to get into a relationship yeah i mean i'll mention that in in my negatives because there's a thing there but yes (laughs) definitely definitely a thing there and yeah i will get into that too but speaking of negatives what negatives do you have all right so going in my order like i like to do excuse me Nick and Andrew and everybody coupling up. The masked principal. I just don't get what or why it is. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's something in in our culture, society, social network stuff that's going on that's supposed to make this make sense. That's just the joke's not connecting to me about the masked principal game. I I think that's a play off of uh, the Masked Singer show on Fox. Right, so I've heard of that, which also just looks like, okay, I guess that's a show. Like, I'd I'd heard of that one, but I just, I don't get why this needed to be a subplot in Big Mouth. Like, it it just feels forced. Um, So far, like, it hasn't been funny. I mean, I know, like, technically with this review, we're on the first episode of it being introduced, but, like, through the season, I don't feel like it paid out. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny from the beginning either. This was just the intro of it, and even from the beginning, I'm just like, why is this here? Um, So I just assumed it was a joke I didn't get, but I think you're just kind of maybe confirming, or maybe people will enlighten us on our Facebook one day um, if there is some joke that we just don't get about it, but... I I don't get it. I think you could have cut all of that out and it wouldn't have made any difference to the show. Um, So this isn't really a negative thing about the Andrew story, but really didn't fit into positive either. Andrew and Nick are kind of skeezy little jerks. Their comments, how they talk in such a condescending way to the girls, talking about grading on a curve as they waited for them, like, just, yeah, like... So it's negative because it wasn't my favorite thing to learn. But in a way, it's kind of nice to have them start to solidify some of these characters because they are literally growing children. So you're watching these kids and these early things happening and how it turns them into adults later. And it becomes really clear, you know, later on when we get more into like Nick's character and especially Nick Starr when he comes up Mm -hmm. um, again, because he's come up in the past as being that one that wound up alone with the Andrew bot or whatever. (laughs) But um, like that was in a prior season. So that, that shouldn't be a spoiler to be in existence. Um, But like, uh, I liked it that it ended with Izzy saying it like it was, you guys are totally gross and everybody knows it. And I feel like this episode kind of sealed them being gross for me. I mean, granted, it was after that that we had the really cool kind of duality in in response to the situation that it seems like Andrew might actually be kind of okay. <laughs> but, um, like, Nick, he's definitely still kind of coming out on the skeezier side of things as far as his character right now. Right. Um, the only other thing that kind of was a little... A little on the negative side, I guess, for me um, in the episode is Misha is just wow on overdrive, um, especially when they're making out later and she's doing all the off-putting stuff and sticking With her his fingers. mouth? Yeah, like Yeah, opening. like what was – who? Like I know kissing, first kisses and stuff are awkward, but like why was that an option? Like that just seems so overboard yeah. that it kind of was – off-putting to me for some reason um so well i know just... sometimes they do exaggerate on the show like with uh jesse at, at, at her new school i mean i don't i mean in reality yeah you wouldn't have like a 13 year old girl talking about her experience working at the cdc during the summer that's not realistic but right. that was done to as an exaggeration to show what anxiety can do to you whereas something like this is just done for just because they could do it no real yeah like i i usually appreciate their hyperbole but this just felt excessive the only thing that i thought was funny was whenever she was like on the couch like on the arm of it she goes this couch arm's looking really good (laughs) (laughs) that part i think i think doing little things like that 
Um, and it kind of goes back to like Missy with her wig, her worm wiggles, right? Like, like <laughs> I kind of get some of the the moments where it's like, yeah, high sexual stuff. Um, but yeah, like just the the putting her hands in his mouth and like even the the, the sucking out the cavity or sucking out the the fillings thing was funny. Like, so some of the weird talk that people think is like good. Like, I'm gonna kiss you so aggressively that I'm gonna suck out your fillings. Like. <laughs> But there was something about her, like, putting her hands in his mouth. And I was like, why? Bring it down. But I did, like, her, like, um, her hormone monster, the weird troll. So I was like, okay. <laughs> that explains that. Just, I think they're making fun of Snooky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or something. Well, I mean, it kind of looked way too similar to the troll Snooky that they did on South Park, if you ask. Like, it straight reminded me. Of the South Park Snooky uh, that they did, which the South Park Snooky, the head was bigger, I think. Oh, much, but it just bigger, it reminded yeah. me so much of how they did that. Yeah. That I was like, all right, like that just made me straight think of South Park Snooky. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like just it was there immediately. Um, so uh, negatives, Jesse in the city. I'm ready to talk about this. Let's talk about this clearly older, seemingly man that is hitting on a child in a coffee shop because I I don't know. He just seems to be presented as being an older character, but it's kind of unclear where he's at because where are they at? I think they're 14 now, right? Is that their current age? 13, 14-ish. Yeah, I mean, 13, 14 Right. So 14 to 16 – Okay, maybe that's uh, that's that's like a little weird because of the stages of puberty, right? But like, you can't compare it to like somebody dating in their in their older years, and that's why, right? Like being close together when you're in your twenties and thirties and fully formed adults is kind of different. Then there's this fine age where it's like, should they be dating somebody that's kind of way more sexually mature? Um, but yeah, like I don't know because he said that he skipped school, but it wasn't clear if he was currently skipping or something that he did at some point in his past. But overall, or what type of school he was in? I mean, it didn't indicate whether he was in college either. Exactly. So I don't know. I kind of have my skepticals up on this character doing this watch through as we review it together because mm. I do want to see if they ever did anything to indicate how old he was because. Everything to me, even in some of the later episodes that I remember parts of, seems to indicate he's a much more mature man. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, so, not emotionally. Yeah, like, like physically, not emotionally, obviously, but, you know. So, I'm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, we're, we're hitting on some topics again where it's like, I, I want, I wish they were a little bit more clear on what topics they were actually addressing. Like, are we really just addressing a child that's, like, shirking their duties? Or is there, like, this whole other topic that is being kind of addressed in the background? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious if that gets clarified. Uh, I, I don't think it did. But, like I said, I want to watch it with kind of looking for that now. Nitpick and then, uh, glasses, yeah. Nitpick glasses. Hey, because that's what I do. I'm a troubleshooting brain. <laughs> I don't like to judge things super harshly. I want to investigate it and understand it and... You know, it's my curse, I guess, to want to understand things and people and motives. <laughs> but uh, so on the last storyline, LoJ, Lola's whiny voice was just nonstop when she was on screen. And I can take that in small doses where it can add comedic value. But because it just took up so much of it, um, of her talking time, it just was even more off-putting than normal for me. Um, and then Lola's little hilarious thing that happened bit was oh. just too much for the entire episode. And ultimately, it was not a good payout. I just didn't think the story was funny, and it definitely wasn't worthy of the buildup. And uh, it just, yeah, it goes back to, I think there's that part, those parts where you could just cut it out, and the rest of the story could have been totally fine without it. And this is one of those. It did turn out to be really dark. Um, what had happened and again it goes into kind of this weird like we're kind of dealing with these kids that are in clear neglect situations and what they are finding is funny is honestly one of those things that would cause alarm if they told that story to like a counselor or a mandatory reporter yeah them thinking that story is funny would actually be like a red flag 
for somebody to maybe put this child in front of a counselor. So it's just kind of me feeding that underlying, like, I'm just not digging their storyline in general. So I have a hard time finding positives with them. And all I can see is like this, like, not talking about this other issue. And going back to that weird bug that I said, it was kind of, you know, starting to get behind my, my, under my skin a little with not talking about what was going on with those kids. Yeah. And I, I know for this season, they don't have any sort of uh resolution as far as acknowledging the fact that, you know, something bad is happening in both of their households. I mean, we can only hope that it's something that's addressed in future seasons and, it is a cartoon and there's a lot of hyperbole and a lot of exaggeration to it. But, you know, we also got to take into account that, yeah, I mean, if, if a kid acted anywhere near the way Jay or Lola does in real life, I mean, the, the, you know, the authorities would have been called in to those parents a long time ago yeah. for the most part. I mean, cause we're hearing stuff about like, uh, what was that? Killian Conway's daughter dealing with a lot of horrible stuff happening to her thanks to her parents being jackasses yeah. and just uh, you know her parents do did at least have some semblance of power so you know who knows with a situation like that but yeah yeah just you know that is what it is although it does kind of it's interesting right because this is supposedly happening nowadays and we have mandatory reporters in our school but it does go to show that these things do totally go unnoticed sometimes which could be part of the commentary they might be trying to make but i don't know i am curious to see how these stories play out overall like at the end of the day but right now i just have a really hard time getting behind the storyline until there's more clarity for me yeah all right i will go in with my list of most negative i will start off with why is matthew continuously the most morally bankrupt character on the show They've had some great episodes with him dealing with embracing his sexuality as well as the whole ordeal of his coming out to his parents. You contrast those great moments as a character with how evil and how much of a dick he can be, just like he was at the start of this episode, and I just don't like him. I don't like him. And I think the next episode, he's, uh, he's going to be really much, much worse. And I, I, I just, yeah, I he's... He's one that if they did away with him, I would be fine with that. Just there's no real redeeming qualities to him. Yeah, I mean, you'd kind of hoped he had gotten his reality check when he like met the old queen. Remember in a prior season where he's like, oh, you're doing this thing. Like he just mm-hmm. calls him out on being a little like queen brat of what of Matthew's little persona that he was building up. Because to be fair to that. There are, like, the kids that build up a persona because they think that's how they're supposed to act. Mm -hmm. And he did kind of touch on that in the prior seasons. But, yeah, I'm with you. I thought he had kind of already explored that and grown past it. And then, like, getting to to meet Aiden and, like, getting into a relationship there and actually having somebody. I was kind of hoping I'd see his character mature more um, and not kind of stay and regress back to stuff that I thought he had already kind of moved from. Yeah, and it it just makes it hard, you know, anytime I see him be that negative towards people, it makes it hard to really really like him. So that that was my negative there. Another note I had, while I'm happy that Jay and Lola found love, it makes me nauseous when they kiss. It's like they're both trying to dislodge molars in the other person's mouth with their tongues and just how they're all up on each other and Lola's like just maneuvering him like a real doll or something like that, just the way she contorts him just, you yeah. Yeah, they they get intense. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, now that it, like if I mean young people in love, great, whatever. But you know, you know. Um, I get where they were going with the Lola story from this episode about being self conscious about being older than someone you're dating. It just didn't seem realistic to me that a 13 year old girl would or 14 year old girl would be thinking about that, especially with just a six month difference. Um, obviously, I'm not a girl, so I don't know if that's something that that a 13 year old girl would ever think of. But it just 
it just seemed like they were it didn't seem realistic and 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 yes again again it's a cartoon it's hyperbolic it's it's meant to have some exaggerations but these are also kids and a kid would never have us have any sort of a thought like this exactly like they would it would be more realistic if she was uh self-conscious about being considered dumb because she got held back right even though that had nothing to do with why she was held back that seems more realistic. And I think I'm, I'm with you on this and the way you said it, I think solidified like why it goes back to Devon making the very kid joke. Right. So adults don't make kid jokes and the kids don't really usually make the adult level jokes. They've usually done pretty good about categorizing, you know, the adult problems, even with having like, um, oh, what was it with Andrew's mom, the Banshee? the menopause banshee like Mm -hmm. they do talk about some of the adult stuff but they're usually better about leaving it with the adults rather than uh, it feels weird because lola's covering an adult problem adults are the ones that are self-conscious about older kids are self-conscious about dumb about being less than about you know you're stupid that's the things they worry about like unless you're being held back grade after grade and even then there's a point where you're just going to not be there anymore um (laughs) so like you're on your own get get maybe uh go take a ged test or something you know (laughs) well they've already had uh they've already pointed out with lola uh with her appearance as well i mean that she's she's self-conscious about her appearance like at the beginning of the season you know getting into the fight with jay because she thought as a girl she should be on top but jay was stating you know based on your build it would be better if you were on the bottom (laughs) you know (laughs) and if that wasn't the perfect display of logic brain versus emotional brain i don't know what was by the way (laughs) like because you know they say like like sometimes like men get very logic brained and it doesn't cut with the emotional brain and by the way this is like it's it's just a tendency because of our cultural norms it's for no reason other than that right but you know i tend to be more logically brained by the way so see there you go um but yeah like and how anytime you have somebody who's like very emotionally driven and very like logically driven it's not going to work out i think that perfect just side note that i don't think got covered but yeah <laughs> yeah all right um if the funniest thing you can find for coach steve is a comment about eating napkins then maybe this shouldn't be a coach steve episode um every time he was on this episode was just he was uh, just bad it, it wasn't it wasn't like a joke that you could have a quick little chuckle on and forget it was just like are napkins really decaffeinated come on you know it's just nonsense I I think they're trying to pepper him in because they know that he got overplayed in another season. And, like, it's funny because I almost put Coach Steve up as a negative, but I decided just to not mention him at all because I was mostly just relieved they didn't over-Steve me. Um, Because, I don't know, a lot of people thought he was funny and he got a lot of attention and then they just way overdid it with him. And now it's just like, does he need to be in every episode? Like, no. why? This is no. the second one in a row that I'm like, why? Like, I didn't need to see him in last episode, you know, doing sex on a lady, which is a funny callback to an awesome song <laughs> back in the day when I really liked Steve's antics. But, uh, <laughs> like, there was that wasn't necessary. Him being injected here felt forced and unnecessary. So I'm curious what they're going to end up doing with him in the long term, because I'm sure we're not the only ones that are a little overcoached, Steve, at this point. Yeah, I mean, and he has his moments. It's just finding out what that balance is. Like, you know, like episodes on The Simpsons that have too much Ralph Wiggum aren't the best, but I still love me some Ralph. Yeah. Just finding out. Yeah. And it just here, like they could have done. Yeah. I mean, he was just used more as a gag and not part of an actual story anyway. So um, even showing up in Jesse's uh, Jesse's imagination when she thought she was being taken away to the funny farm or something like that. It just, uh, you know, there we go. That was the one spot applicable. Totally. Mm -hmm. Coach Steve showing up randomly to drive the bus. That was actually the one good use of Coach Steve. Um, cause it like, brings her back to something relatable with somebody she knew yeah. knows is a dummy or considered a dummy, like driving the bus. But yeah, the other two interjections just, I just don't yeah. think they served anything. They didn't, they didn't. It was just there for a gag. Um, another note I had, why would Nick's father tell his teenage son, Nick, how many orgasms he should be giving to his date? They're that weird family, though. You know, they've had that theme of, like, the they're making fun of, like, the too open to talk about sex family. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they kind of do that. Although I did think the, <laughs> the the flapping noise whenever like later after like Lola like tells the story or whatever, and then it pans up and they're in the bedroom and her legs are up in the air and he's got like the little radio thing and the hair dryer, <laughs> and you just hear this gross flapping noise. Yeah. I, <laughs> still though, I I you know that as well was just like why was that that there? I mean that was just there for the gag. It wasn't yeah. there. For the story, and it's like a hit or miss, and it it, it misses. Yeah, those it, two it, and their sexual antics are are like that though. But I think they're just still trying to portray that they're the extreme of good giving game, extremely open about it, like kind of uncomfortably too open about it, and uh, very experimental. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> um, all right. I didn't find the switch Andrew and Nick made uh, with the cafeteria girls to be realistic at all. It just felt like a bad sitcom plot, not something that would happen in real life. I'm a guy. I know very well that guys can and will be very horrible towards women if you give them the chance. I just don't see a double date like this occurring to where two guys decide they're going to switch up without asking. I, 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 it just didn't seem realistic whatsoever. I think I've only heard of this premise like through TV. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that's had that happen. I've never had anybody attempt to, to switch <laughs> on me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have no idea if there's any level of, of bro culture that like is like, hey, yo, you want to switch? Like, I have no clue if that exists out there. But even then, it's kind of putting that kind of early. Um, I don't think children would think to switch. And now I'll have your back on. I think that's another one where maybe they put it with the wrong demographic. Yeah. It's Lola age. Uh, age maybe needed to kick it to an adult. Maybe this one... This, they could have totally handled it another way uh, to still get to the end scheme of we exist in other people's lives, too. But I don't know. Yeah, they, they, could, they could have gone to that same conclusion, though, just doing something different uh, that that would have made a little more sense. Because, again, like I said, there's a cartoon, there's exaggeration, there's hyperbole, but it, it has to be based on something that people can relate to. And, you know, especially with them being kids, I could just see them like going through with it and then just not talking to them again. That would have been more realistic. And, yeah, they, they needed to learn that to be more open to listen to other people and to not be so fucking self-centered. I get that, but they just should have done something else to get them to that conclusion. That was a little more on the realistic side. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, Michelangelo, (laughs) Um, you know, I I can accept that he's in he's in college. I can also accept. I mean, I, you know, at 15, I was getting into rated R films without being carded. I can accept that physically seeing somebody you can you can assume what their age is and not be correct about that. But I would also think, too, that I, 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 I don't know, just. This is just just weird. I, I, yeah. Michelangelo is just because even in my twenties, if I saw a fourteen year old girl, I, I would like to think I would know that that's a fourteen year old girl. <laughs> you know. Well, so I can actually speak to this one as being okay. somebody at the at this same age. So there's the other reason, personal, right, for me mm-hmm. that this storyline is of interest. At that same age, between the ages of 13 and 14, I looked about 18 and wound up dating an inappropriately older dude. So that does happen. Mm-hmm. So, but he did also, like, he knew. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was a conversation. And I, I don't think you can get around him not knowing that Jesse is a much younger girl. Because she's got that blazer on, and that seems to be a well-known local school. Like, yeah. and you don't usually use the exact same blazer for, like, the elementary, for the middle and the high and stuff like that. Like, the uniform is usually specific to that school. So there were indicators there that he should know that she's younger. Yeah, and unless you're Angus Young, you're not wearing your school same school uniform every single day for the rest of your life. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, he, he does seem like he's an older gentleman. I'm curious if the story ends up playing out even further because they do have a trend of just because you think storyline is over, it might not be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am curious to see how that goes. And also watching some of these episodes with you mean, you're, you're going to keep a lookout for me too, I think, right? To see if we could figure out like how old he is. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause you know, on the one hand, it, it is important that that this this topic is brought up. Um, it's just you gotta. I, I think as the audience, we gotta we gotta hold the 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 create the producers in this case of the show to a high standard in terms of how they deliver these messages because especially when it comes to you know like in you know interests like this among the sexes between such huge dis- disparate ages you know it ha- the message has to be delivered in just the right way um you know and and yeah we'll we'll see how that goes going forward but just michelangelo from the very start you could tell you could tell that you know what what he was there for from the very beginning and and you know when when we get to the little blue ball bouncy episode later on we'll have more to say yes, uh but yeah, even like the the clear like how there's even some of like how a predator draws you in like especially when you're younger right because he flattered her he wanted to sketch her mm-hmm. you know so it's just it'll be interesting to watch how, how exactly. that pans out all right now this particular episode do you think it's good do you think it's bad what what is your final judgment there are some things that were bad about it um but i i do think that the lesson is very very warranted that we need to understand that people exist outside of our reality and there's some people out there that might understand what I mean by that, but I'll put it this way instead then for those that don't really understand like the my reality versus other people's reality concept of thinking. Mm-hmm. People exist outside of my life and how I understand my life is going. And I think that message deserves to be just drilled in anywhere we can get it in our society. Um, so I do love it for that. And that was where I would recommend it being watched. And then also you've got that beautiful introduction of Depression Kitty and Anxito fist bumping it up and introducing how well they work together and how they're just buddies and go side by side. There's a lot of like, yeah, I, I really like that representation a lot. So that's where it's like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff I didn't like about it. Okay, to be fair, technically, I think when you add up anything I said could be cut from the episode we might only have like a 10, 15 minute episode when it's done, but that part is worth watching. Um, yeah. If you could somehow edit out the low J stuff, <laughs> um, but yeah, and even Jesse talking to the older guy being part of that story does, does all make sense to that. So I, I definitely think it's worth a watch just because of some of the awareness stuff. Now, was it the funniest best episode to like laugh it up with your buddies no, um, I probably wouldn't start with this one if you're introducing them to how hilarious the show can be. There's funny moments, but I think the later that we're getting into the seasons, the more serious and deep our content's going to get. Yeah. Like, And it kind of goes to what you and I have both expressed a little bit of frustration over is, are they going to get into these topics they seem to be hinting at but not directly pointing out? But I get not wanting to start that way. So I am open to it being slow rolled. I get you're going to want to start with the super relatable by more people, which is the, you know, the puberty stuff and the menopause stuff and things like that and the awkwardness of going through school. So I'm ready to see what they do with it. Um, But, yeah, I think these would be important episodes to watch, especially if they do touch those episodes, those topics later with more, more clarity and more focus. Hopefully, hopefully. Um me in terms of good or bad um you know when it comes to big mouth big mouth is not really the type of show that you can drop in on on like the middle of season three i mean if 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 you're listening to us talk about big mouth and you haven't watched the show yet start with season one episode one and watch throughout they're telling a story it's not it's not like 80s you know episodic television the whole thing is telling one big story um as far as liking the individual episode um to your point tracy yeah i i agree that there are some good points that they covered 
Um, I just think that in terms of overall enjoyment with the episode, um, there's just too much that didn't go right. That is too noticeable for me to really say that this is good. I mean, they did start a lot of good things that will be touched on in in future episodes. Um, But just this individual episode, eh, I mean, I you know, you can't. There's nothing like Siskel and Ebert, you know, you know, within meh that you can do for like marketing with like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. But it was just a meh episode. It had its good moments, but you know, it's also forgettable. Yeah, exactly. Like I yeah. said, I think unless they do something more with this Michelangelo storyline, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a memorable. And, and yeah we will see what happens next week um so yeah again keep in mind that for uh these shows that you are hearing they are happening first on patreon patreon is a service that allows you to financially support artists um in this case us that uh you may like so um if you are liking what you hear and you want to help us out go to patreon support us uh, financially um after about a month like i said the shows go to our regular podcast feed and will be regular episodes and wednesday will be uh the date that those uh, episodes come out but uh we thank you again for listening do you have any uh further further thoughts for the audience no no i think we did another fine job of taking longer than an episode run to discuss the episode so i i feel like we have dissected it properly as, a, as nerdy as you can get about it. <laughs> yeah, well, as Rick, as, as Rick the Hormone Monster would say, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's so. all I've been saying all week. Laid <laughs> <laughs> oh, up with anxiety? What are you going to do? Zero. <laughs> Rick is just the guru. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Uh, but anyway, with that, we will see you all next week. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Done. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.